between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. Thank you for this morning. Say be thou exalted, Lord, in Jesus' name. Father, as we go into your word this morning, we ask, Father, that you would help us to come under you and to learn from you in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we, we have come again uh, just to learn at your feet. We, we uh, come even with meekness of heart this morning uh, to partake of your meal, to partake of your feast. Father, we ask that you would help us even to yield our hearts rightly this morning in the name of Jesus, Father. Father, as we uh, have gathered here, we ask, Lord, that you would bless us with your spirit in the name of Jesus. Father, we, we want to appreciate you for all that you've done, what you are doing and what you are yet to do. Because you are a faithful and a loving Father, we ask, Lord, that, Father, you will give us grace to yield to you as we ought to in our members and our being in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, because you've you've answered our prayer. Father, I come unto you this morning under your spirit. I submit myself under you under under the authority of your spirit, even to to, to declare your word this morning in the mighty name of Jesus. I ask, Father, that you will guide me. You will guide my thought. You will guide my heart. Father, you will you will guide the speaking of your word to establish your word aright, correctly, as we ought to, in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we ask for the blessing of your spirit. Let your spirit be given in abundance this morning. Let your spirit be made available in abundance in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, because you've answered our prayer. For in Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Um, good morning or good afternoon, everybody. Just say hello to your neighbor. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. I will thank God for today and for his mercy. And uh, I feel today we, we have grace to just move into the word, I guess. Um, just that... Um, I don't really, I'm still getting used to just moving straight into it like that. You know, but I like to, to greet first, look at your faces, get comfortable. Amen. How many of us are ready for, for this afternoon? Amen. Um, I think on Tuesday we, we started, um, from Ephesians chapter 6, and I think we'll continue from there. And Tuesday was more of an introduction, and we just kind of uh, speak generally concerning the culture or you know, reading and studying the word and also prayer. So the attitude of uh, studying the word and prayer. And uh, God helped us. We started from Ephesians chapter 6. I think we are going to continue from there. Amen. 
uh, since we are learning foundational things, uh, let's start from uh, Ephesians 6, chapter 12, and I'm going to stop at verse 18. So it says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. It says, And your feet shut with the preparation of the gospel of peace. It says, Above all, taking the shield of faith, which ye shall be able to quench all the fairy dart of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Amen. Amen. And uh, I think uh, I gave enough uh, background um, on Tuesday, just generally about. Uh, the need for the word and prayer. And I think uh, I'll just move from there just to establish um, that when it comes to the milk of the word, uh, the milk of the word is a doctrine, right? However, as with every doctrine, there is also a need to establish um, or for the doctrine to establish cultures and behaviors around the doctrine. Amen. Now, how how the doctrine begin to find expression is that you begin to see a culture of the doctrine around the people mm. that has that has imbibed the 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 life that the doctrine is intended to give amen now mm. when it comes to the milk of the word because the milk of the word is talking about the baby stage of a believer mm. right just as a baby requires milk right the milk is what is the milk is the new trend for the baby so that the baby can grow amen now because if the baby uh begins to eat solids then you have a problem because the baby does not have a system built for solids what the baby is designed for is everything pertaining to milk when that baby drinks the milk the baby is able to uh, extract all the nutrient that is in the milk, and then they can grow thereby. Now, you see that a, actually a baby's milk contains all the nutrient that you will find in also like meat or you find in solid foods, just that it is only provided in milk, which is the only way a baby can process the food. Now, it's not as if the milk is lacking nutrient. Mm-hmm. The milk, for example, if you are breastfeeding a baby, the baby would have all the nutrients that is stored in the milk from the mother. Whatever the mother eats, pretty much all the nutrients that is in the mother from what she ate is extracted from her blood because all you eat goes into your blood. And then that is then used to produce the milk that the baby is fed with. So even though you know, to our mental state, all we see is milk. We don't see that there are actually nutrients mm. 
in the milk, which is actually for the building and for the growth of the baby. So inside that uh, milk, you have calcium, you have um, iron. Inside that milk, you have uh, carbohydrates. Inside that milk, you have protein. You have all the essential nutrients that the baby needs. And those nutrients begin to go into the baby and then begin to work so that the baby can be built. So that is what the milk also of the word, because Peter tells us, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you might grow thereby. Now, and I like the fact that they put in there the sincere milk of the word. Now, because when it comes to milk, sadly, these days, the milk is, uh, you, you may not find a sincere milk entirely. And the reason is because the milk itself, when it was given, it was sincere, fully sincere. But over time, due to the, I would say, due to shortcomings and iniquity and sin infiltrating the soul, it's not God's problem. It's actually our issue. There, there's been a lot of, how do you put it? There's been a lot of dilution. Now, for example, let me put it this way. If you want to make a baby's formula or milk food, you actually have measurements, right? If you, if, you, if you put less milk than you, you, put, than, than you should put, the, the food will not have... Or, or, or let me say, the nutrients in the food will be displaced. If you put too much water, it will be displaced. So for it to be of use and of value to the baby... It must be given at the, in the right content. It must be given in the right measurement. Amen. But unfortunately, uh, what we've seen is that there's been a lot of dilution. Maybe sometimes excess of milk, sometimes excess of water. Uh, sometimes it's a mixture of both. Right? Excess milk, excess water. Um, it's, it's, it, that in itself had made some milk not sincere. Or make it not pure. That sincere milk means pure milk, meaning a milk that is designed for you to be nourished so that you can grow. Amen. So that you can what? So that you can grow. And I am going to just quickly read First uh, Peter chapter 2, where this um, scripture about sincere milk is actually mentioned. I read from verse 1. It says, Wherefore, Laying aside all malice. That's First Peter chapter 2, verse 1. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. You notice here that the actual intention of the milk it's actually address nature. I mean, it, so it shows here that God's intention right from the start is actually be, is to start addressing natures, start addressing foreign things that men has taken in. So it says, it says, it says wherefore laying aside all malice and all guile and all hypocrisy and envies and all evil speakings. Now, all these things he mentioned are the attitudes you find in a, a newborn. Why? Because from where they are coming from, all these things are, what, are resident in the soul. 
all these things they mentioned are there. But as newborn babes, that's a new believer, what should you do? You should desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby so that you can grow. Amen. So that you can grow. So the aim of drinking milk is for growth. So in short, God's intention right from the moment you get born again is to make sure that you are growing. And as a result, it begins to feed you the right meal that you need to eat for your stage. I mean, you can't give a baby solid. The same way, of course, when, that baby, when, when you give a, new, a newborn baby, a babe, you can't give the baby solid because it can process it. Right? But as the baby begins to grow, then begin to introduce solid gradually so that the baby can grow continuously. Amen. After a while, when the baby is growing, right, a sign that the baby is growing is that after a while, the baby begins to wean themselves from milk. They begin to find interest in solid foods. Amen. A baby begins to what? Find interest. That is, that is normal in a baby. And also, as Christians, when we are growing, we will notice that our, our desire right from the start will be milk. Then as we begin to grow, then we begin to find interest in solids. And then, eventually, we begin to find interest in the meat of the word. Now, the meat of the word itself also is a doctrine. And when you hear a doctrine, it's a teaching, which is to impact the way of life, to part culture into men. Amen. When doctrine is given, that doctrine begins to write cultures, begins to write natures, begins to write how people should behave, how people should handle things. So basically, it is installing life and cultures. Amen. So also, milk of the word will also install doctrine. It will also install behaviors, natures, attitudes that should be found in a believer so that this believer can begin to grow. And as they are growing, they can they can have the right compos- the right makeup for the next growth. Amen. So I'm going to go back quickly to um, Ephesians 6. Right? Now, um, the reason I'm going back there is, you know, just after having established the aspect of the, the milk of the word, what it's for, right? It's for doctrine, it's for growth. Now, one of the things surrounding milk of the word is... is moving a believer from his former way of thinking into a new, into a spiritual way of thinking. Now, there's a way we used to live before we get born again. Once we get born again, then there are things taught in there that it's designed to make sure that we begin to process things differently. Amen. Now, part of that is us desiring the sincere milk of the word. Now, part of that desire is the longing for to study the word or learning why it is important to study the word of God and why it is important to pray. The first thing you teach a believer when they get born again is how to study and how to pray. Then everything else can come. Amen. Everything else well, can now rest upon the foundation of studying, praying. Now, 
when you now begin to re, uh, go into uh, reading the Word of God, they begin to find, okay, so why is it important to study the Word? Why is it important to pray? Amen. Now, it is important to study the Word and pray because that is the only way God can begin to talk to you. Amen. Amen. Now, God, many things have been speaking to a soul, right? Holy Ghost has been trying to reach out to a soul right before they get born again. But for there to be for there to be an establishment of a safe communication mechanism, you, we need to move into what God has ordained for to speak to men. Amen. Now, what God has ordained to speak to men is His word. Amen. What God has what? Is His word. The only way God can begin to talk to a soul. Is his word. So God can't God can't speak to someone outside his word. Now, when a soul is saying, I'm hearing God, and it's outside the word, then you know that notice that that thing may not entirely be God speaking to that soul. Now, why? Because there is no installation of or there's no there is no installation of mechanism in place that God can use. To begin to instruct a soul. Amen. Amen. So God needs to establish a safe way. Any other way apart from the word of God is not entirely safe. Not even to say that it is not safe. Now you will notice that everything that God wants, everything that can ever happen to you, everything that can ever be related to you in your life is all documented in this word. This word has, have, and there, there is there is no problem you have on earth that this word does not have answer to. So the only thing now is we need to now know how to find answers here. Amen. Amen. And, and finding answer is not it's not easy. It's not an easy task. It is a very it is it is a tedious. I won't say it's tedious. But it is, it is a task that requires commitment. Mm-hmm. Amen. A soul must be committed to finding answers for answers to be found. Amen. And that's because the scripture made it clear that you must seek so you can find. So for everyone that seek, finds. Everyone that knocks, the door is open to them. Amen. And God designed it that way. Amen. You notice that things don't just open without any desire in the heart. If the heart does not have any interest, things won't really, really start coming out of the word to begin to address that person's concern. Amen. You notice one of the one of the things that God look for to answer or to respond to it so is to generate desire inside that soul. Even though somebody might be pretending, I don't care about God, all, that, all this world, what things, what's there? Mm-hmm. If they, they, that kind of soul won't stumble upon God's word for answer or anything by mistake. How? It is because even though that person might be saying this, this, and that, inside their heart, there might be a secret longing for something. And that is what then begins. To, it's not what they are saying in their mouth. Is that actually that desire in the heart that God begins to, okay, ah, you have that desire, okay, awesome. Even though the mouth might be saying something different, but the heart 
can be speaking something else. And that's what God looks for. And to me, that's the basics for the relationship between you and God. Now, if you want God to talk to you, you must be looking for, for God. Not just looking for God, though. Looking for God for answer concerning that thing. There is nothing you can't ask God for. Do you know that? There is no question. There is no, there is no situation that you can't go to God for a request. Say, God, what is it? No matter if you want to buy a house, you want to buy a car, you want to get a new job, you need money. What else? Anything that plagues us, right? There is nothing that you can't talk to God about. But the, the foundation of the relationship between you and God is there must be a desire. So, there is a way to pray. There's a way to read, right? Now, because I'm not talking about prayer, I'm going to deviate a little bit from what I'm saying. Because that area of prayer is where, you know, I, I, can, I can armor very well on this aspect of what you are looking for. Because when you are looking for something, you need answers. So, I, you pray to look for, right? But if answer is going to come, it will have to come by the word. Amen. It will have to come by what? By the word. And just to connect us back to the Ephesians that I was reading earlier. In Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12. uh, Let me read from verse uh, 16. Because I think that's where I stopped on Tuesday. It says, above all, said, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fairy darts of the wicked. Said, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Said, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. Now, what I wanted to bring out here is that, notice it says, above all. And I think I was centering on that on Tuesday. It says, above all. All taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fairy darts of the wicked. You notice here he has been building the man of God to wear an armor. Right? So wear the armor. It says wear the whole armor of God, right? It said, Stand therefore, now says, having on the breastplate of righteousness. And your future with preparation of the gospel of peace. But above all. So it's talking about here, it, talk, it, it talked about the building of the breastplate, right? Then when you talk, you notice it, it talked about putting on the belt of truth. Then you realize that everything he talked about before he started talking about above all were things you wear in your body for defense, right? But not really for. Well, partially for defense, but not for attack, right? But this above all is are the things that is both needed for attack and defense, right? What you say above all, taking the shield. So now, shield of faith, right? The shield of faith is when you look at a Roman soldier, right? What you use a shield for, right? Is usually you know when they are fighting, they can try to you know stab him with a sword. Now, it will be using the shield to block all that, right? For protection. Now it says, where would you shall be able to control the fairy that of the wicked? So, of, of course, 
part of the use of a shield is that when they shoot arrow, you can use it to cover your head so that that arrow doesn't pierce through you. Amen? Amen. Then it now says, take the helmet of salvation and this, it says the helmet. So now it is to protect the head, right? So while you're using the shield to protect, you're also using the helmet for protection, right? Which, and, and it says, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And I said the sword of the spirit, which is the word. Now, that sword is for attack and defense as well. Right? Because when you are fighting with the sword, you can use the sword to block a sword. And you can also use the sword to strike. Right? So the, the, the word of God is both offense and defense. Meaning that all that you would need for to engage things in the spirit and also to stop things in the spirit is embedded in the word. Amen. But you see this above all area is what I wanted to just mention. That above all area is an area that is, is designed that if you don't have it, you, really, you actually can't go to war. Now, above all, meaning if you have the breastplate, you have the belt of truth, you have everything else, and you don't have these things, you can't really go to battle. You can't. For you to go to battle, you need these tools. And remember I mentioned uh, on, on Tuesday that your everyday life is war. It says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Amen. So for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Because every day we are wrestling. We are wrestling. We are wrestling. Now, you need this word. It says, take the image of us, and the word, which is the word of God, sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And I said, praying always. So it's not just word. Notice it not explained. It not says, praying always. It's explaining. Say, how you make, see, there's a way, there's a way you can make these things useful. There's a way you can make these things there's a way you can actually acquire these things and then use these things. How? Praying always. Right? You can't acquire all these things they are saying without prayer. How? It's because prayer is tied to God releasing things towards you. If God would have to do something for you, God needs to receive supplication or receive or receive a request for him to release it. Why? Because God does not just interfere with your affairs. If God will interfere, he needs permission to interfere. So if there is nobody praying, God can f- somehow raise someone to begin to pray so that he can intervene. Amen. So prayer is needed for all these things. However, for prayer to be effective, for prayer to be, for, all, for God to have a way, because when you are praying, you are making a request really, right? For God to have a way to speak to you, to talk to you directly, to speak to you by inspiration, because God can't talk to people without inspiration. inspiration. You need to be inspired. Now, 
the same way the scripture is written is the same way it operates. How? The, the, the way the Holy Scripture is given, it says the scripture is given by what? By men, right? As they were inspired of the Holy Ghost. Right? So the same way, this thing didn't come by somebody just sitting down and thinking, you know what? I can write I can write a story about Abraham. Which when people read, they will begin to learn uh, life lessons. No, some people take this this Bible as a book that just teaches different life lessons mm-hmm. that you can pick from. Whereby even some Christians don't even don't some Christians don't even commit themselves to the word because the way they see it is I can just pick lessons from there and then imbibe it in my daily life and then think they are okay and they will say I'm I'm a Christian, but that's not how it works. When you do that, you've not really learned. You've not really, you've not really taken God's thing inside you. This is how it is. For God to be able to reach you properly, there has to be an installation of his thing inside you that can respond to him. If that is not there, you are pretty much the same as you were before you got born again. What will be leading you, the way you will live your life, everything will still be the same. But for something to shift, amen, amen. for something to shift in a soul, right, there has to be an installation of God's theme inside that soul that God can use as a channel to begin to deal and have a relationship with every individual. Amen. So God is keen about relationship. Is God is I mean is I would say is what's that what I want to use? God is very 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 keen. I use the word keen. God is keen on relationship. What God wants to build the moment you get born again is a relationship. God longs for a relationship. God desires a relationship. If you don't have a relationship with God. Right? If you don't have a relationship with God, you or let me say a thriving relationship with God, it will be difficult for you to begin to both respond to the things of God or begin to have access to God. Now, the same way you can have relationship with people and they can be shallow. Where all you do is when you see the ah, how are you doing? Fine. When you are not seeing that person, there's nothing inside of you. That, re- that sp- speaks of remembrance for that person. And when you say remembrance, you know, remembrance quickens you to want to respond. Right? Which means, the, mem- the memory is not coming, I know this person. The memory is like, ah, I miss this person now. Let me reach out. Hey, hey, hello, how are you doing? Right? That is what you call a relationship. But of course, relationship is gradual. It builds gradually. Now, let's, when you say that relationship is gradual, right? The same way it's, it's gradual, right? We need to understand that there are phases of relationship. Amen? When you start a relationship, initially it's like maybe drags. There's no... There's no... 
There's no smooth. Ah, I just remember this person. Let me call, right? But most importantly, what 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 makes a relationship thrive is the ability to come out of your comfort zone concerning someone, right? And they begin to respond. Now, you might know somebody. Talk to somebody. If you don't speak to that person, at least. I mean, like, weeks can go on without talking to that person. You really don't have a relationship with that person. And that is sincere truth. Or you may have a relationship, but you don't have a thriving relationship. And when you talk about relationship, there's, there's, just, there's just flow of... There's flow of vulnerability. Let me put it that way. Right? You no, know, somebody is looking... I'm using just natural relationship to explain what it means to have a relationship with God. Now, and you notice this kind of statement too in scriptures where John will be telling you, you have not, if you have not loved the brother beside you, how can you claim that you now love God? Right? So there's those two things he's saying is actually the, is, is the two tablets that they gave Moses. All the law on one tablet is about you and your neighbor. The other one is about you and God. Love your neighbor and then love God, right? Though that, you neighbor, 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 then thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, love God, love God, love God, then thou shalt not commit your neighbor, thou shalt not, all those things. So you see neighbor and God there, right? So if you, so there's even in natural relationships, there's a, there's a flow and lesson of God's life inside there, right? So now, I don't know if we have it, but you know, there are some of us, maybe you know somebody and randomly you thought about the person. Oh, but your thought is just, I know this some person. Maybe I should call this person. But there's nothing inside of you about that person that actually wants you to reach out. Then you, you won't really have a thriving relationship. The same way it is with God. There are, see, times where all of a sudden in your mind, you just thought about, ah, I should read my Bible. Those little things that don't seem like you are looking for God, they are the, they are the remembrance. They are the remembrances of God, or remembrance of God that is triggered inside you by the Holy Spirit. And its aim is to foster a strong relationship with God. Such that God can interrupt you anywhere, any day, and any time. Amen. Amen. You know, when, when you have a relationship without... There shouldn't be any relationship without substance. Now, the substance I'm talking about is the things that are exchanged. Right? Now, for, for a relationship to thrive, there must be exchange of affection in a way. Right? Now, when I say affection, it doesn't necessarily mean the person just carry, ah, you're my person, carry, peck, right? No, affection is talking about the giving of yourself. It's talking about the the response of yourself when it comes to the, the relation, when you think about the relationship with that person, 
there has to be a response in you. Now, each time, now, now, so the relationship shouldn't just be about, oh, I remember this person, well, let me just call. Because it can be mechanical like that. But there, there, there actually should be substance. There's something that draws you. Oh, I, I, I just miss you. I just let me make her say hello. Get what I mean? Ah, I just, I, I've not spoken to you in a while. And it's been a while, I just felt like forever. But just that little, ah, I've not spoken and just felt like forever. He's actually talking about a flow of affection. Right? You may not know I've spoken to somebody for days and, you know, may not actually care. Right? So when he talks about building relationship, there is vulnerability involved and there is what? Intentional dying. Meaning intentional giving off of your own self, right? To respond. Amen. So, when you have tinglings or remembrance of God in you, where that points to you just studying, I mean, no amount of time you spend in the world is a waste. Yes, sir. If you spend just one minute right now to quickly read a passage, it is not what? A waste. waste. Yes, sir. It is not a waste. God appreciates it. God cherishes it. Now, so, you know, there's, there, there's this thought that always defeats us. Whether when you think about studying the word or doing the things of God, the first thing that comes to us is that we don't have time. And that either manifests in a way whereby we rush through things or we postpone, thinking there will be a better time to spend. But most of the time, when you, rea- when you look at it, you now realize that those things don't always pan out the way we plan. Because other things begin to come and begin to take time. And why is that so? Because Satan has laced the day with evil. Those evil, right, doesn't, like I said, doesn't look like evil. They look like things that you seemingly need to do. That you legitimately actually need to do. Like maybe responding to an email or a call or you need to call somebody, or you need to call Canada Post about your mail that you know, was not delivered or was lost, or you need to take care of a child, right? Or you need to you need to take care of business, you know, all those things that begin to call for your attention, or you need to go to work. Many things eh, that are designed to actually take your time, take your attention, and the sole aim. Right, is to make sure that you are lost, not seeking for God. Right, so going to work is not the issue. Right, taking care of it, of course, you have to take care of a child now. Taking care of a child is not an issue. Right, taking care of yourself is not, is not, I mean, you have to do all that. However, there is an attitude, there is a disposition in your heart that, yes, that when, when they look at it, right, there is no love inside there. When they check it in response to God. Somebody, and how, how does it manifest? You will naturally, naturally find it easy to do other things than to, to respond to God. To either to, in reading, in praying, or when you are quickened by the Spirit to just pray in the Spirit. No, you can quickly, de- and one thing I noticed and I recently discovered is, even though no matter how spiritual you are, there's a tendency 
Amen. There's a tendency to be afraid of God taking first place in your life. You know, that's, it's possible. Maybe you are, you, are, you are washing plates. I thought I should read my Bible. And as you are thinking I should read my Bible, or maybe you just have a sense inside you, maybe only goes quicken you somehow inside to read your Bible. All of a sudden, thoughts about, ha, ah, if I go now, I will spend like five hours reading Bible. And I really need to go and buy bread. And I really need to go and shop for food. Hi. And I really need to go and make sure that all these things that I need to do are done. Ah! Then that fear will not make you make a decision to rather do all those things before you go for the world. Now, the aim here is not that you don't do anything at all. Right? It's to ensure that you have a balance. You have a cult, or let me put it this you have a culture. You have a culture, you have a, an attitude when it comes to the word. Not that you are struggling, not that it is always a constant battle between you and God when it comes to studying the word. If you don't engage yourself in the word, forget about winning any battle in the spirit. Why? You, won't, you, won't have, you don't have the sword to attack. You don't have the sword to defend. Neither can you even have the shield of faith. Because faith, which is the shield of faith, is dependent on the word. Before, because faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. And this word of God is what we call passage. You remember they call it Bible passages. The scripture is actually a passage. Now, when you read it, through this word, you can have a supernatural passage into the thought of God, where God cannot begin to talk to you. Where God can talk to you about your life, God can talk to you about your job, God can talk to you about your need, God can talk to you about anything. Because, okay, when it comes to, you know, as you go about every day of your life, right? As you go about every day of your life and you, you have issues or concerns. Oh, Lord. Or let's just put it this way. A typical thing. Lord, I need money. Do you know that God can actually talk to you? Oh, you need money. I can give you money. Don't worry. Money will come next day. You know God can talk to you about that. But it, not, it doesn't, most of the time, it doesn't start from there. It starts from building a relationship. From... When you have a desire, you have word. Because God can speak to you. How will God speak to you about the word that says, Ah, you know what? I'll give you money tomorrow. Right? Somehow, if God wants to answer you, you will have to use word, scripture. Because if you just hear a thought that talks about, I'll give you money tomorrow, that may not be God. I mean, it could be, but that may not necessarily be. Why? Because there's a way God flows. When he says, I'll give you money tomorrow, there must be something inside you that will believe that that is possible. How? I will supply all your needs according, he will supply all my needs according to his riches in glory. Now, if you don't have that inside you, and it tells you, and it tells you, I'm going to give you money tomorrow. How will you believe it? And if you don't believe it, how will that come to pass? Amen. So there has to be a channel, a way 
for God to begin to speak to you. And that is where the culture of the word is essential. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So the, there is a need to build a thriving relationship with the word of God. Because in doing so, what you are really building is a, a, a functional relationship with God. Some of us, or I'll say, well, I'll use myself as an example. So we may not have a, a thriving relationship with God because maybe in some areas, you know, we get it right. In some areas, we don't. Amen. And as a result, there is, there is some lag in our relationship with God. Amen. There is some what? Some lag in our relationship with God. And God doesn't, the way God works, God doesn't want a, a relationship in such a way whereby there, is, there are hindrances. Of course, unfortunately, that is the case in many, many cases whereby you know, we have different hindrances in responding to God. But God has actually made provision and God wants to ensure that there is no hindrances when it comes to the flow of, of life from him to us and for us to respond to him. Amen. Amen. Which is the part of the reason why God ensures or starts by making sure we have a thriving relationship with him. Amen. Amen. So we need to have a thriving relationship. How do we do so? By keeping or by, by developing cultures and attitude concerning the word of God. Amen. So I will start when I, when I say, says, uh, having the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now I will start from um, you know, how to, to study the word. Almost time. I'll start from how to, to study the word. Amen. Now, when it comes to studying the word, the okay, because I'm using the word studying. But one thing I wanted to separate is there's a difference between reading the word, studying the word, and also there's a difference between meditating upon the word of God. And they all have their uses. Amen. Now, the, the, what is a believer should come to right, right after getting born again is to develop the culture of just reading, which is different from studying. Eventually, they need to study. Actually, they need to read and study. But of course, you know, we need to understand that these things, there are processes, right? As, as you grow, you acquire different things and you add. You notice in scripture they will say things like add to your faith virtue, add to your virtue, you know, patience, temperance. So there is addition of things that you acquire in the spirit, right? So there is the attitude of reading, then you develop attitude when it comes to studying the word. Of course, the two can go side by side, but it's important that you know we know what each does. Because when you're talking about reading the word, we just assume reading, studying, meditating is all the same. They're not. Because there's a way the word moves into the soul. Now, what God wants to do is make sure that his word, when it comes to his word, things from his word, or his word generally moves from just this face of this paper, right, of this book, and it moves into the soul. Such a way that the soul can move in to the world without hindrance, right? Such that while you don't have your Bible with you, you can still have this Bible with you. Amen. Because if you think about it, it's not all the time that you carry Bible everywhere you go. 
right? That sometimes maybe you you don't have your Bible. Most of the time, that's even the case. Because most of the time, the only time we carry our Bible is when we are going to church, we are going to meetings that have to do with the things of God. But most of the time, 90% of the time, we are without your Bible. But you need a way to access your Bible while you are without your Bible. And that is what um, meditation will actually do. So, like I said, you start from reading. What the reading of the word does is it gives you insight into what God has said. Now, when you read, you may not actually have a mem- You may not necessarily have the memory verse. You know, that's where you memorize verses, yeah. right? You may not necessarily have it in your memory, but you can have an idea about it. Yeah. I know that in the Bible, God said this, yeah. but where, I don't know. Okay, let me look for it. And that is where the place of study now comes in. If you don't have an idea of what God has said, right, you won't have a prosperous, studious life. Right? And when you don't have a, a, stud, a studious life, right, you won't be approved. Because the scripture says, study to show thyself approved of God. A workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Amen. So, after that, then the next step is developing the attitude of meditating upon the word. And that is, and that, that is where the word begins to come into memory. Now, when you now begin to meditate on the word, then the next step is you need to start confessing the word. This aspect of confession is now the, the area where there has to be balance. Because there's a, the purpose of confession of the word is not just that you confess it and automatically it happens. The purpose of confession is to make sure that as you are meditating, that word actually moves into you so that it can do the work that it's intended for. Amen. Amen. So let me go to uh, Proverbs, because I know Ephesians. Now let's, let's go to Proverbs 4. Amen. Mm. Time is almost over. I go to Proverbs 4. Let's read from verse 20. It says, My son, attend to my words. It says, Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Now it says, Let them not depart from, thine, from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. Now says, for they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Now, I'll start from verse 20 that says, my son, 
My son, attend to my word. Now, how do you attend to his word? By reading the word of God. Amen. When you read, when you read, you, you attend to the word. You read the word, you, you keep reading. You, know, you can even have, you can even have a, a reading program. I read, I, read, I read this today, I read that today, right? Keep reading so that you can attend to the word. Now, when you attend to the word, right, that is when you can then incline your ear onto the saying of the word. Amen. Incline your ear means you, you put your ear towards the direction of the word, right? You incline, meaning you can actually listen to what has been said. Now, this area, this area... The way I see it, 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 it also moves into studying and meditating on the word, right? Because it's inclined their ear, right? Then Ina made another statement. Ina says, let them not depart from thy heart. From thy ass first. So then Ina said, keep them in the midst of thy heart. Now, how do you keep a word in the midst of your heart? Yeah? By meditating on them. When you don't meditate, right, you don't keep the word. Now, the word you keep in your heart is you, when, you, when you keep meditating. Hmm, since the Lord has exalted me like the own of a unicorn, you keep meditating on it. What is happening is you are keeping the word. When you meditate, the word can be stored in your heart. Although, it may, meditation does not necessarily mean you get fully what you should get from the word. You meditate, you confess. You meditate, you confess. Yes. Amen. You know most of us, we've, we've discarded confession as if it's not needed. You need to confess word though. Just that it's wisdom now to learn how to confess word. Eh? You know, sometimes we have nature that doesn't want to go. And then you have scripture that says these things ought not to be so. As you, I, I, say, I said, out of mouth proceeded both blessings and cursing. Ah, these things ought not to be so. Ah, you start confessing, these things ought not to be so. These things ought not to be so. Mm. As you are confessing, then you begin to move into prayer. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Now that, that is not confessing the word towards just you confess as if it's just going to happen magically. However, there are some things, in this area there are some things you confess. Until it happens. For example, you know when when Egin talked about healing, mm. right? When you are praying for, I, I, I guess when we get to prayer, we address all this one. But mm. there's no way you talk about the word somehow. You won't talk about prayer. There's no way you talk about prayer somehow. You won't talk about the word. I don't. I don't. I, well, I don't know if it, that is even ever possible. But there is how you begin to confess, confess. Confess the word. As you confess, sometimes the purpose of confession is actually for meditation. When you are meditating, you can actually confess. Hmm? How? Because when you are meditating, you know, sometimes we think meditation just has to do with you just thinking about it and meditating. But but meditation does not exclude you saying what you are thinking. It doesn't exclude it. As you are Thinking about the word, you are saying, my son, give attention. You are saying it out. As you are saying it, it's almost as if you are memorizing the word, the scripture without knowing. You know you want to memorize it the way you, 
you read. My son, forget not. My son, forget not my law. My son, forget not my law. Yeah. What are you doing? You are confessing. But as you are confessing, you are memorizing the word. So it, all these things are mechanism that is installed. How you get the word into you? You read, you meditate, you confess. Amen. And then when you do that, then you begin to get the word inside you. Amen. You know, when we were doing these things then, we didn't know that what we were using it for was totally different then. No, and, and some things we were asked to confess that even though I don't know what it was going to do, we still confessed it. Like, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But most of the time, when we do that confession, I think it's probably after maybe we find ourselves you know, falling short. Ah, okay, then, okay, no, don't blame yourself. There's not therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but we don't always forget the work. But anyways, but in that era, that is allowed. Because the light was shining enough for us to know that there is therefore now condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Of course, that helped us move forward a lot when it comes to movement in the spirit. Because all these things, I don't see that. It's not, it's not a waste. Everything that God... I mean, or do you think God was not aware that people don't have understanding? God was aware. But what, did he hide the light? He did. Was he okay with everybody on earth just saying that? It was, God was perfectly fine. If God is perfectly fine with people just saying that, why should you or me have a problem with that if people are confessing? And that's what they are confessing. Ah, that's it. Glory to Jesus. There shouldn't even be... You know, confession, that's not the only reason for confession. You know, you don't just confess it and it happens to you. You're telling somebody that doesn't know anything about Christ. The person will just be looking at him. What do you mean? So you are saying confession is wrong? No, because everybody, you are talking from a different plane. It's just like somebody that is talking from a point of faith. You know, you believe in God. You believe you have faith. You can give offering. And somebody that does not believe in faith is saying, why are you giving offering? Right? No matter how much you explain to that person that does not have any idea about what faith is. It's, it's not talking from a faith perspective. All they are thinking about is just logic, fact. Why would you give? No matter how much you explain it, they can never understand that concept. But you're making him rich. You are poor. Why are you giving your money? They will not... Like, that's, to them, that's foolishness. Because I, I even remember an interview where somebody was talking about you, you are spending money with a man of God that most of us know. Right? And then the person interviewing the person is not talking from a faith perspective. Then the pastor was talking from faith and they were talking. But you now realize that the person interviewing was taking the man's word totally wrongly. How? They are talking from two, two different planes. If anybody will understand anybody there, they both have to speak from the same plane of understanding. If the pastor move away from faith and start talking logically, they can have very blossom, awesome conversation, and then they can, they can end the matter logically. Right? But if they both move into faith perspective, then they can both reason together and then come to a faith-based conclusion. So, talking to somebody that does not understand what you are saying, as if they should understand it, 
in is is in a way hindsight or on hind is it what hindsight is a way a blind spot. Let me use that word. Is a blind spot, but because these things ought to happen purely by compassion, having an understanding. And there's 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 no no problem if you tell somebody confess the word, confess the word, confess. Why? Because right now what they need is confessing. Right? Why? Because there there are some things that confession will do to a soul. Right? Is to make sure that see that thing you are confessing. First of all, believe it. And you know that things don't happen except you believe. Right? Now, what does faith teach you? What faith teaches, faith towards God is teaching you how to believe. Then, when you learn how to believe, then you can now talk about that, what John 6 is talking about when he says, if they believe on me, if they believe on me. When you, you've not even done the normal, simple, just believing God's word as it is. How can you believe on him? When he begins to talk, I mean, you to bring things that you need to believe on him for. How can you do that? Right? Because he was talking about that relating to everlasting life. Right? If you believe on me, you you gain life. In summary, paraphrasing, generally. Right? But if right from the start, you don't even know that you can believe God. You can believe God's word. And just by believing it, you can actually fetch God's power from the word that you are believing If you are trusting God, for example, you may be trusting God for for money or something or mm-hmm. anything you are trusting God for. No, you can actually trust God for it. Mm-hmm. You can actually pray. And you can actually confess. God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory. No, but because you know that, okay, the riches, maybe let's just say, understanding has come, you now know that the riches in glory is not that one, it's not that one. Okay, wait, what will you use to pray? For God to supply your need. The word is there. If that time we used it, God shall supply all our needs according to his riches. Even though what we really believe God for is he shall supply all our needs. Right? According to his riches in glory, I'm pretty sure, because me, I remember when I quoted those scriptures, I believe he shall supply all my needs. But when it gets to according to his riches in glory, I know I don't know what he means. But I still said it anyways. Because okay, we believe that God is all rich. God is powerful. He can supply. But I know I don't understand it. But I quoted it. And God supplied. So there's nothing wrong with believing God. Right? For things. The same way you can believe God for things. The same way you can believe God in his word. When you are praying. So basically what God is trying to instill or installing the heart is the ability to begin to interact with the word in such a way that you begin to believe the power in the word. Wow. Amen. Because Amen. if a layman just carry this, a layman can carry this Bible, read it, my son forget not my law, but let thy heart keep my commandment. It doesn't mean anything. The, the heart has not actually engaged the faith in the word. So God needs to make sure that there is a relationship between us and the word. We are not just reading it, but we are also believing what we are 
reading. And as we are believing it, we are moving it inside us that when situations come and there is there's a need for that word, you can find it and use it. Amen. Amen. And that is why God will also teach you about praying, you know, praying to war, how to, how to use the word to pray. Okay, but we'll talk about prayer later, so let me just <laughs> stick to this one. But you need, you need, you, you need to have a, a, a blissful, a, a sweet relationship with the word. Now, if anybody says they are Christians, they just like simple Christianity, they don't want anybody to kill them. No, nobody should talk to me about you know fasting and praying. Nobody should talk to me about praying for my enemies. Okay, fine, we get it. Don't pray for somebody that wants to kill you. But at least that does not exclude you from reading. There is no way you can you can believe in God all you want to. But you can't, you can never learn God. You can never know God. You can never have a thriving relationship with God if you don't engage His Word. Because the only way he can interact, interface with you is through his word. Holy Ghost can be doing many things around you. Like maybe supplying. Maybe you are even in need and want to supply. He can supply. Get things to happen for you. But that does not mean that you actually have a relationship. Or you have. You, well, relationship ends in life anyways. You have life. You have understanding. You have, you have a working knowledge. Of the person you are dealing with. You know, some, some attitudes towards God is mostly God stayed there. That old man with beard that is on the throne. I remember, because that was my picture. One old man with white beard. Especially there's that scripture that says he has eyes you know, of fire, beards of white as wool. You know, those pictures create images of one very ma- old man with white beard, ancient of days. White beard sits on the throne and all the person wants to do is to judge you. God judges, yes. But that's not all he wants to do. He actually wants you to know him and know why he judges the way he's judging. That he wants you to, or he wants you and I to know him, know his person, know why he's the way he is. But there's no way we can get to that if we don't have a thriving relationship with the word. Amen. Now, this, this, the, 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 there's a way these things begin to happen when you begin to engage. When you start reading, studying, meditating, confessing the word, then you now begin to notice that the word comes more often to you. Now, yes, like, like I said, it's a relationship. Yes, sir. Now, when, when you are starting a relationship, no, there is that aspect where somebody, okay, you know what? If everybody is the, is the same, nobody is giving, that relationship will never thrive. Right? So, God needs to see that the heart is longing for the word. And when the word says, ah, you are, you are trying, then what happens? The word itself begins to respond. Now, why is it that way? It is because this word is living. See what you see in the pages of this Bible, every single thing you see that looks like letter is actually a living organism in the spirit. Amen. This Bible is living. So which means this Bible has its life. Which tells you that the word of God eh, 
Amen. The word of God is a person. The word of God is what? Is a person. Now you now understand why it, you need Holy Ghost to begin to interact with the word of God. Amen. The word of God is living. It is quick. When you say something is quick, it means it is alive. Amen. And if it is alive, it is something that can, it is a life that can be installed inside you. Because it is life. If, it, if it's alive and you get it into you, then it can be installed, in, then life can be installed inside you. Now, how is the life, because that thing that gets into you, one way or the other, amen, oh wow, interesting, one way or the other would find expression to install attitude, to install nature inside of you, we translate into life. Because how you get life, really, I mean, there's no way, you want to stop uh, fighting your neighbors, and you, okay, maybe there's a nature inside you that always just react and fight your neighbor. How would that happen? You need to have a relationship with the word in such a way that the word can come out and then instruct. Ah, see this thing, just, it's, ah, it's not good. Though. Hey. No, that means it has affected conscience. Over time, if that word is alive and keeps coming up, it will eventually install life inside our soul. Amen. So, it's an asking in this uh, Proverbs 4 that says, Let them not depart from thy eyes, keep them in the midst of thy eyes, for they are life unto those that find them. See, that, see, the, see this thing that he's saying, to those that find them. Which means that when you are reading, you are studying meditation, what you are really doing is you are actually seeking for the word. Eventually, you will find it. When you find it, it's when it has become life to you. When you find it, it's when you understand. Let me put it that way. When you find the word, you would what? You would understand. The word will get into you. It would give you an understanding. You have found the word. Amen. Since they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Amen. He said, keep thy heart with all the part of his foot are the issues of life. But um, I, think, I think I'll just stop here today. I just wanted to center on that aspect of the word. Why it's important to, to study the word, right? The difference in, you know, reading, studying, and meditating. Of course, I didn't go into details, but maybe next time we'll go into details. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's just begin to thank God for today. Father, we thank you. We give you all the praise. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you. Father, we give you all the praise. We thank you for your word. Let's pray that God will rekindle the fire, desire for, for us. To develop a, a lasting relationship with the word in any way that we are not having a thriving relationship with the word, that God will restore life in that area, that we begin to desire afresh, we begin to long afresh concerning the world, to build a relationship that is thriving with the word, that wherever the relationship is not strong enough, that we receive so much life for strength. Father, we thank you. Hatemata, Verigata. 
Ebzito vone moshita agaria. Ezete ni mateve ni moshita. Ezete masti. Ezete mokaria. Ezete ni bogariata. Emasete kadekani moshita. Emosete feni moshita. Ezete ni moshita mata. Ezete no moshita. Ezete kalita vata. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your work. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for helping us this afternoon even to learn of the need to give ourselves to your word, to build a, a lasting relationship with your word. So be thou exalted, Lord, in Jesus. And we ask, Lord, that the grace to form a lasting, a thriving, a great relationship with your word in the way you expect, Father, you will give us grace for the manifestation of these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, that the, the actual desire of your heart concerning us and, 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 and our relationship with your word, that that your desire will be made uh, established in each and every one of us by your grace in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, because you've answered our prayers. Thank you, Father. We give you all the praise. For in Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. You dwell between the cherubim shine forth. You dwell between the cherubim shine forth.